Hello and welcome everybody to Web and Beyond Live for April 26, 2021. I'm Ray Sidney Smith, President of W3 Consulting and Managing Director of W3C Web Services, which provides affordable WordPress and web hosting. We do domain name registration and other web-related services for small business. And so welcome to Web and Beyond Live. It's my opportunity to talk to you each week about topical and timely issues that relate to digital marketing for small business. And sometimes we talk about productivity, sometimes we talk about cybersecurity, but generally really all the things you need to be successful in marketing and managing on the web and beyond today. So today, of course, if you're watching live, feel free to ask questions in the chat. If you are watching the replay afterward, feel free to leave a comment. I'll be happy to go ahead and answer those asynchronously. Today, we're going to be talking about a few fun things, uh, and that is we're going to talk about planning uh, to get back to the office, even if that's not happening for another maybe three to six months. Uh, we have some uh, updates in terms of some stories. I have a listener question I wanted to answer. Apple announced some new products, and I wanted to end the, the show talking about Google Web Stories. Uh, they updated their WordPress plugin, and I wanted to walk through kind of this pretty big updates, uh, pretty big update, and why you should be using Web Stories today if you have a WordPress website. And I also want to touch on an article that talks about uh, the five practical uh, tips for small businesses making the first steps toward e-commerce and maybe correcting some of the pieces there that I think are really important for us all to pay attention to as we go out there. So let me first start off with some a listener question. I had someone write in and ask a question regarding uh, shipping because I talked about an application that did uh, basically uh, you know, backlog, you know, how to cover the issues of, of shipping when, you know, you're out of inventory and you want to be able to source those inventory pieces. And they were asking about tracking technologies. And we had talked about the shop app and how shop actually helps to do tracking as well. And I, I just wanted to give some other options uh, to them about that. And so I figured this would be useful to you as well. So first and foremost, I almost always recommend ShipStation to all of my clients who are launching e-commerce websites. So ShipStation is a platform that allows you to be able to just not only uh, manage the shipping components of your e-commerce site, it helps you create new labels, it notifies you when new orders are placed in, it integrates with a number of different shipping partners, and it also has that component for you to be able to have a branded tracking page and alerts customers so that they can stay updated as the product is making its way along. So ShipStation is certainly one option. There is another one that just recently went through a new uh, round of funding. They got $66 million recently to continue their operations and keep building it out, and that's one oh, an app called Aftership, and they're out there and they do a really good job also. Seamless, integrated, branded tracking when someone does e-commerce with you. And then last but not least is an application called Root. This one is focused on consumers, of course. Uh, the application is called Root and consumers can install the app and they can track all of the things that they order online, but they do have merchant capabilities. And so you can go ahead and sign up as a merchant and help your customers stay, you know, tracking, helping them track the packages, protecting their orders just in case they get lost or misplaced or, you know, taken off route, those kinds of things. And then of course, handling issues when uh, they arise. So just three options for you to be able to check out in terms of 
track it, uh, tracking packages and giving a branded experience as well as communicating with customers from the point of purchase to the point of delivery. Okay. Uh, so hopefully that's helpful. Oh, this is a, a much bigger story than I, uh, that I had time to really deal with last week, but I, I wanted to bring it up this week because I think it's really important. And we're going to talk about this probably over and over again over the next probably, you know, three to six to nine months, uh, which is that Chrome is now allowing you to link to specific text on a web page. Now, I don't know what the, uh, the, the importance of this is going to be to SEO, but I find this to be really powerful in social media. Because what we can now do is we can link to specific text on a web page, meaning that you're able to go out there and send clients to specific places on your website that have been indexed by Google. And this is only happening inside of Chrome right now. And I'm hoping that other browsers, of course, pick up on this and uh, push forward. And so the idea here is that when you are in Chrome, you're able to uh, do a search in Google, Google will go ahead and highlight a particular page, and that page will now give you a link. It'll, it'll, when you're in Chrome, right, you can right-click on any selected text, and it'll say, copy link to highlight. And that will be text that you can link to in Chrome and send a user to that text from anywhere. Uh, this is, I'm, I'm, I can't imagine this isn't going to be powerful in some other way that leads down the road to search engine optimization benefits. Right now, though, this is really powerful because you can send people now to specific text on, say, your website or your blog or your podcast to a specific selection, and that you can share on social networks. Now, again, for just scaling up content, it's really important for us to be able to send people to in essence, quotations that direct them to particular types of content that are part of our larger body of content, which is where we want them to see our calls to action and lead them into uh, or deeper down our sales funnel. So this is a really powerful piece of technology. Again, I just wanted to bring it up because it's here where we have the capability of doing it now. And now we just need to figure out what the marketing strategy is behind it. But I would feel remiss if I didn't mention it, but we will absolutely be talking about this in the future as I start to test this with clients and seeing it working in our own work. Also, another just quick point uh, is just to pay attention to this, which is that OpenSSL, which is the uh, security library that many websites use to be able to provide that security between connecting between websites. There's been a a, uh, a backing by Google of a an alternative. It's called Rust TLS. I'm going to pre presume that's how it's pronounced. Uh, and uh, they've just recently got financial backing from Google. I'm looking forward to seeing their development and what that really means, really helping to uh, bring multiple open source alternatives to us securing the web. And so good on them. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Rust TLS really brings differently than OpenSSL. I thought this was really interesting. So Amazon is bringing to Whole Foods the ability for shoppers to, in essence, use the, a palm print, basically a palm scan in order to take digital payments. And so this is going to be coming in the next coming months. But Amazon, in essence, is licensing this technology that allows you to, in essence, put your hand palm over this, you know, in essence, camera, the scanning technology, and it will identify you and then take the payment. And so just be mindful that this is coming and 
where these things start out with big tech, they always make their way down to small business and then down to small tech. And so I'm curious to see once we have more not, more options like this, whether or not this will be picked up by the general public. Is this something that people will really want to be utilizing? I happen to think this is kind of uh, marginal, uh, but it is pretty interesting technology for those who are very tech savvy and want to be able to have a fast customer experience at checkout. This could be potentially something interesting. I don't know, but uh, I just thought I would bring it up because it was uh, kind of fascinating using palm print as a payment method. Uh, next up is Apple. Uh, had their spring loaded event and they went ahead and announced uh, several new products, not just a new uh, iPhone 12 and 12 mini in purple in the purple color, uh, but they also announced a new iPad Pro. And so if you are looking for upgrading equipment and you're in the Apple ecosystem, you can look at the line of iMacs that they've uh, put out as well as the iPad Pros that they put out. And of course, the I think the star of the show, uh, which was the Apple AirTag. And the Apple AirTag is actually quite a unique item. Again, predominantly if you're, if you're in the Apple ecosystem, this is an item that allows you to be able to uh, track objects that you potentially lose or want to find at any given point in time or even distinguish one from the other. Say that you have five cars in a fleet, you could have an air tag in each of your vehicles and then determine which one is car number two versus which one is car number five. If say the, the cars are all looking at you, they're all the same color, they're all branded for you know your business and the the license tags are maybe behind the vehicles and they're you know back up against the wall. You can see all five, they look identical uh, to you, but you can actually then identify the specific one using that AirTag. So there's some really unique, or you can you know monitor and track these vehicles on the road while you're making deliveries or having your staff make deliveries. There's some really unique things here that you can use with the AirTags that I think will be small business focused. This is obviously a consumer focused product, but I think that there are some small business adjacent utility here. And at 29 each and uh, 99 for a four pack, I feel like the AirTag is going to be a pretty unique item for being able to utilize in some ways. So just wanted to bring that up in case anyone was interested. Uh, they'll be available April 30th. And so you can start ordering them very soon. Okay. Um, so with that, um, that takes us over to some Apple and Facebook news. Apple is rolling out their latest mobile software that is on iPad OS as well as iOS, their latest uh, tool, the, the latest software update, which is going to do something very, very unique. What's going to happen is it's going to start prompting people who are attempting to go into applications and uh, they will get prompted with a notification from Apple to say that this application wants to access this data about them. And it's going to prompt them for security purposes and uh, tell them about some of the the ways in which they are being tracked and of course this is a big deal to the likes of facebook and other applications that go ahead and put in these this type of tracking technology to be able to help run ads and so this is potentially going to impact uh you know a lot across the board and so i'm really curious we'll be paying attention to this just to see what the out you know, the fallout is going to be for Facebook and certainly their relationship with Apple, which has been strained by this change in Apple's architecture. So we'll see what happens. On the flip side of that, Facebook has started to go out there and 
do surveys. And this is not new. We've talked about this in the past that YouTube goes out there and it does surveys of its users. It, it surveys millions of users uh, a day and uh, asks them about their experiences with videos. Facebook is doing that. Google certainly does that. You know, they they run their uh, their opinion surveys, their their Google uh, Survey Rewards program, and they go ahead and ask users about all kinds of things, from podcasts to just regular uh, surveys about products and services that they provide. They are uh, Facebook is doing the same thing, predominantly focused right here on political content in the newsfeed. But just know across the board, Facebook is is running these surveys and asking users about their experiences. They also have an opinion surveys platform where they basically monetize, uh, they incentivize uh, users to answer questions about Facebook and other applications that they use on their phones and ask them for experiential feedback. This is really important for you to understand, which is that Facebook is asking people what their experiences are. So it's important for you to be paying attention to what your audience's experiences are and seeing what they may be experiencing that may be negative to them and hopefully working to fix those things in your own Facebook page and Facebook groups. Uh, because Facebook is paying attention, even if it doesn't necessarily feel like that always. Uh, Robin is asking, hi, Robin, how's it going? Uh, Robin's asking if the, uh, oh, she's, she stated that the uh, Chrome's text highlight sounds powerful. Um, she might be using older terminology, but it sounds like an anchor. Yes, this is absolutely distinct from an anchor link. An anchor link is an actual uh, a, a href or an anchor link, uh, which is an A tag within the, the code of a, an HTML code of the page. Uh, what you're doing when you create an anchor link to say an, an anchor in a page, basically a name reference within a page, is you're, you're, um, you're, you're creating a link to a specific point in the document that's been created by the publisher. In this particular case, this is on the consumer side. So you're now able to highlight text and create a link not just to the page itself, but you're creating this on-the-fly link to the text on the page that on on the in the browser side, not on the publisher side. If that makes sense. So I upload my HTML code to the server, right? And you, if you use a content management system like WordPress or Squarespace or otherwise, you're publishing code up to a web server when you make edits to your website. We're talking about on and in Google Chrome being able to highlight text, right-click on it, and copy a link to link to highlight. That's on the consumer side. That's on the user reader side of the of the aisle. And that's the real innovation here is that instead of me having to create an anchor link and dedicating people to going to those uh, links on, on the back end, they don't need any back end power to be able to do that. That means that you can engage your audience to go out there and create specific links to particular text and share those out in social media and otherwise. So there's a real power to this that I think is quite, uh, I mean, just fascinating to me. And again, I, I still need to think through a little bit more about what that means, but I think it's really going to be a powerful new feature for us all. And so moving right along, let's talk about Google Web Stories. Uh, as you know, I have been testing web stories both in my own uh, you know, SEO as well as out there in client uh, sites. And we are going to eventually do an episode. I just haven't had time to kind of organize my thoughts around this. But in the meantime, Google Web Creators has put out a new update to the web stories, uh, in essence, formerly known as AMP Stories. Now it's Web Stories. They have an editor for WordPress. It's a plugin that allows you to create these stories directly inside your WordPress website. And we've talked about this in past episodes, and now they have updated to version 1.5. 
And version 1.5 provides us with some really amazing features. And so definitely update to the latest version, not just for the you know, minor security updates and uh, you know, stability updates, but because of these features. One, you now have a set of Gutenberg blocks, and it also works with the classic editor. So you can actually embed the web stories using Gutenberg blocks and the ability for you to integrate with themes. But that is not the most powerful feature here. What I think is really going to be powerful here is that now you can share stories and embed them anywhere on your website, of course, using the blocks or the classic editor in order to be able to embed those. But more powerfully is I can cross post web stories from one website to another. So for example, here at W3 Consulting, we have we have our web services, we have uh, the Web and Beyond Live website, we have Web and Beyond Cast, we have multiple web properties, and I would love to be able to cross post some of those pieces of content from one site to the next. Now, with Web Stories embedded, in installed, that is the Web Stories editor for WordPress plugin installed on all those sites, now I can go ahead and actually share those Web Stories across those multiple sites. And that's not going to impact my SEO. Why? Because the web stories themselves are their own web pages. So it's its own web page. So I'm embedding a web page just like I would embed one blog post from, say, if you have a WordPress blog and I found a WordPress uh, blog of yours, really an article of yours that was really interesting, I could take your post and embed it on my own website. And it'll just create a nice little embedded thing just like you would embed Twitter or YouTube or a podcast episode or something like that. I'm just embedding, embedding it on my website. So it's not pulling away any SEO from the primary web story. And it's giving more exposure to people and displaying it in a way that I think is quite appealing to most people who are on their mobile phone and browsing the web. So Web Stories has now been given this expansive new capability. And I think this is going to really bring more power to the Web Stories platform. I'm very excited about the blocks because the blocks allow you to be able to put in uh, three different types of stories. One is basically a la latest stories, which displays the most recent stories, and you are able to filter and sort them based on some options. You can select specific stories. So you can say, I want this story, that story, and this story to display in this carousel. And then you can say, I only want one single story displayed in this space, this space. And so after you start creating more and more of these stories, you can then create them and then organize them and display them all throughout your website in different places. This is going to be very, very powerful. It's not only beautiful to have this nice, you know, portrait layout, certainly on mobile, it's going to look great. And this is really going to be powerful for those who want to be able to extend those stories just beyond the existing place where they created that story on that singular web stories page. So very powerful, integrated with more themes. You can now, in essence, place them into almost any place on your website. And they're integrated directly with many of the themes, including all of the WordPress core default themes. So Astra, Neve, and the Newspack project all have built in uh, um, uh, support and integration, but just note that all the WordPress core default themes also have an opt-in functionality directly inside of the themes. So very, very cool, very powerful, and I definitely suggest that you check it out. Okay, uh, next I wanted to um, just talk quickly about oh, and you're more than welcome, Robin. I'm always happy to explain these things. And so uh, the 
Next item I wanted to talk about was this article from, it's actually a newsletter article from Dealbook from the New York Times, and it was how to navigate the post-pandemic office. And I don't want to cover, I don't want to get too far in the weeds here. I think it's well worth reading. And the article really talks about the fact that we are going to go back to, to work, back to office spaces in the near future. And there's going to be a, a reckoning in a way uh, when that happens. That is to say that companies need to figure out whether or not they require their their employees to be in the office, uh, you know, the requirements for being vaccinated or not being vaccinated are still being uh, kind of not legally litigated, but certainly litigated in uh, in the public sphere. And that will ultimately then lead to probably real litigation. Uh, and we need to really figure out whether or not remote work is going to be here to stay for your business. And that's a choice you need to make as a business owner. But they bring up some really important pieces here that I think are are, are very important for us to they bring up some pieces here that I think are very important for us to think about. And the, the factors they bring up, uh, they, they created this acronym FLOX, uh, which is um, uh, kind of weird because of the new Google Flock uh, protocol, uh, which is the Federated Learning of Cohorts. But FLOX here stands for Function, Location, orga Organization, Culture, and Schedule. And they give these really great questions to think about really whether you go back to work in the next five weeks or in the next you know 25 weeks, as you go back into that space of having a remote, hybrid, or fully in-office perspective, function, location, organization, culture, and schedule all need to be considered in that process. And they get some really good information as it relates to um, what's happening. Obviously, a lot of people don't want to go back to work, uh, you know, in office. And a lot of people want to go back to work as soon as they're able to go back into the office. But there are some particular downsides. One is, you know, that if more people are uh, working away from the home, uh, you know, in, in the office and more people and then some people are working at home, that creates some disparity internally. More women will want to stay at home uh, because of kids or because of any number of other reasons. And if all of the, you know, younger single males are in the office and the, you know, mothers working at home, that means that more people at the office are going to get you know, the raises, they're going to be the ones who build longer, uh, you know, relationships or, or, or more, um, you know, um, close bonds and, and close relationships. So there's some iniquity built into this uh, process of making it hybrid and allowing choice for people to be able to work in other places. So just a really good article for thinking through what does this really mean in the post-pandemic world. So I just wanted to bring it up to your attention. I think small businesses, just as much as big business, needs to be having these conversations because small businesses really employ most, you know, most employees in the country. And we need to be mindful of the fact that we collectively need to come up with some kind of some level of, of, of principles to be moving forward so that we can actually create a more diverse, inclusive, an equitable workspace. So just want to bring that up to you. And to close out today, I wanted to cover this five practical tips for small businesses making the first steps toward e-commerce article that was in entrepreneur.com. And so this person, uh, Kevin Lays, um, he writes about these five pieces and I wanted to co go through them one by one because uh, you know, there are just some pieces here that are, are important to, to be mindful of. Uh, one, he notes that uh, extending your, he talks about here, you know, one, extend your business's reach. Um, compared to a brick and mortar store, the extent and scope of the reach of your business can achieve via e-commerce is truly unparalleled. Okay, let's start right there. First, 
yes, we want to extend your reach. And this is important. It's powerful. It breaks down geographic boundaries. But the reality is, is this is not about going national or international when it comes to most local small businesses. What you really want to do is extend your reach beyond the typical places in which people want uh, don't want to travel, right? So we're talking just beyond the five mile radius that most small businesses serve. So if you can gap capture 10 miles radius versus five mile radius, your e-commerce, stepping into e-commerce would be worthwhile, most likely. And you have to really look at the various zip codes and the uh, the you know archetype, the, the makeup of your audience from that perspective. But likely that if you're five mile radius, right? Drop, an, drop a, an, a pin on your business. And if you're a local business trying to pull in an audience, go from five mile radius to a 10 mile radius. And you likely are, you're you know, doubling your book of business if your e-commerce can capture that audience there as well. Same amount that you cover in the five mile radius in the 10 mile radius. So remember that we're not talking about building an e-commerce empire. We're really talking about incrementalism that helps you stabilize your business and provides you with new diverse lines of both service and product. So remember that that's a kind of an important component here. He says that affordability is a significant factor. Uh, establishing and maintaining uh, e-commerce ventures is considerably cheaper than the responsibilities associated with brick and mortar. Uh, that is, again, <laughs> be mindful that running an e-commerce store requires a lot of sophistication and a lot more tools than once in the past. Once upon a time, if you just literally had a domain and were capable of taking people's money for product, you could pretty much do pretty, you could do well. Uh, today, uh, it does require dynamic pricing. It requires having effective uh, fulfillment and delivery mechanisms we talked about earlier, you know, the ability to how, how to have out of stock, uh, you know, um, fulfillment, when you are you run out of inventory, you need to be able to still satisfy customer uh, product needs, uh, as well as being able to keep clients updated, handling customer support and, and customer service. There are some real issues here that are complicated and require more technology. Is it cheaper than brick and mortar? Perhaps, but probably not by much. You have to be able to sell enough in order to be able to make a profit there. And so, and if you're doing drop shipping and other kinds of things, that of course increases the uh, decreases the costs of goods sold because you are, you know, cost of goods sold is you don't have any inventory, you're not holding product, you're not developing or manufacturing those products. Uh, those are just being uh, shipped from the manufacturer wholesale to retail. So this is uh, a, a obviously a flexible thing, but don't think that this is uh, this is just like so easy you can just hit a button and go live. You need to really be thoughtful about what products you're going to go and put onto your e-commerce uh, upfront, so that you're capable of understanding what are going to be the costs, and then think through those costs. Many times, people are launching uh, e-commerce and they're not thinking about all of the various costs: training your staff, training your sales folks to be able to to sell effectively. Are you going to have uh, 24 seven live chat to be able to increase sales? Are you going to have to do more content marketing in order to be able to bring more people to the e-commerce site? All of these things are considerations and cost money. So this whole notion that, you know, we should be, uh, pitting brick and mortar versus e-commerce is kind of silly. You need both, but you also need to do them in the right ways.
Uh, number three, seeking out innovative and creative marketing strategies. He talks about the fact that you can, of course, do different and wonderful types of new marketing. That all makes sense to me. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, he says uh, you can collaborate for increased exposure and revenue. I think that's also uh, a huge driver of why I think that e-commerce really makes a lot of sense now. Instead of just being able to collaborate with those who are in your neighborhood or in your town or in your city, you can now collaborate with someone who is across the country and do collaborations that benefit both of you if you both have e-commerce opportunities. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to worry about selling uh, product to people from far away, but by being able to bring experts or partners from other places, you're co-mingling your audiences and therefore growing little by little by meeting up with each of those. It's sort of like being a guest on many different podcasts. You don't have to have a podcast in order to be a, be a guest on many podcasts. And over time, a little bit of those people will get to know you. But if you do have a podcast, then when you go on a lot of other podcasts, those people get to know you and know that you have a podcast. And then ultimately, those people become uh, some number of those people become your podcast listeners. So collaboration really does increase exposure and revenue. And you're capable of doing that because you have a place to send them to buy, even if someone is in Sacramento, and you're in say, Alexandria, Virginia, or Washington, DC, you're not capable of selling locally to them, they can't walk into your store, but they can buy from you from your e-commerce site. So it really helps to equalize some of those pieces. And then finally, he talks about this 24 hours a day, seven days a week component. And again, I'll have to just reject this notion out of hat. You as the business owner, you can decide whether this is a lifestyle business or otherwise. And if this is a lifestyle business, maybe you choose that you're going to do, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week. And that's when you're going to run your e-commerce site. Any other time outside of that, people can take orders, they can leave uh, you know, messages for you, and you can come back and deal with it in the morning. Now, is that going to solve for every problem in your business? Is that going to make you, uh, you know, uh, $50 million a year? Probably not. But you get to make those choices. So this whole idea that e-commerce is 24-7, yes, you can make it you can make money while you're sleeping, so to speak. Uh, but remember that you don't have to be on 24 seven. And I think this notion that a lot of people don't get into e commerce is because they think, gosh, if I start an e commerce site, I'm gonna have to be on all the time. And that is not true. You do not need to be on all night on all the time in order to be able to run an e commerce store, uh, you do need to have an effective strategy for being able to handle new orders and customer service and making sure that people feel like you're not leaving them, you know, falling through the cracks. Uh, but the idea of 24 seven, I think scares a lot of people. And I just want everyone to know that you should all have e commerce. But in some way, shape or form, you know, from the very minor sending and receiving invoices for payment online from your website, uh, or from whatever invoicing tool you to all all the way up to having a uh, 24 seven, you know, e commerce platform that people can purchase from at any hour from anywhere in the world. Sure, you have every option in between. But you do need some form of e-commerce today. But uh, the point is, is that you get to make that choice. You're the business owner, you get to decide, I'm going to have, uh, you know, a big retail digital retail presence, or I'm going to have a small retail presence that works for my life and for my business in that sense. So uh, that's what I wanted to talk about today. I hope you guys enjoyed our little survey of topics that we have uh, that we have going on. I wanted to cover a couple of announcements before we close out. One is I am hosting a masterclass for the product Evernote. Some of you may know I am an Evernote certified consultant. I'm also an Evernote 
uh, I'm one of the Evernote regional leaders for North America. And so Evernote is a fantastic product you can use for purposes of doing all kinds of things. Uh, but in your business, you can build out workflows. And that's what I'm going to be doing in this latest Evernote masterclass. It's going to be uh, free. It's five weeks. Um, live, and you can go ahead to the URL on the screen, but it is focusatwork.co forward slash Evernote Masterclass. And if you uh, come, you can come to the five sessions. It's Mondays starting May 3rd and uh, noon Eastern Daylight Saving Time. Each of those weeks will go for about an hour to an hour 15 minutes, and I'll be covering different aspects of managing and operations within the business and creating workflows for those. Uh, like I said, those sessions are free. If you want the video replays, we are doing office hours each week. And so those I think are on Wednesdays. And uh, then video replays, like I said, uh, recordings of the office hours and any other of the templates and other materials that I'm creating are put into a premium course, which are available. And all the information is there at focusatwork.co forward slash Evernote masterclass. So feel free to join me if you want to learn more about Evernote and its products and uh, features. So that's that. Next up, we have some upcoming events. And so if you go to W3, the number three, W3CINC.com forward slash events, you will see our upcoming events, which include our upcoming webinars. We have some roundtables upcoming uh, each month. And so those are going to be uh, placed out there, I know. And I think our, our next event is going to be our roundtable on uh, networking in a digital age, professional networking in a digital age. So feel free to join us for that. And of course, you can find all of these things and get notified them about them in our digital community. If you go to www.webandbeyond.community, you'll be taken to the community page. You can join, sign up. I'll approve you into the system, and you'll be able to join us there in Web and Beyond community. And I post uh, the recordings of, of Web and Beyond Live, of Web and Beyond webinars, of our roundtables. And we've got a lot of other stuff planned for later this year. I know it's a little bit quiet in the community other than what I'm posting. But like I said, as we grow over the next part of the year, we're going to have a lot more stuff going on. And that brings us to the end of our time together this week. If you've enjoyed the live stream, feel free to click the thumbs up icon. Thank you uh, for doing that. That helps us make new small business friends. If you have a question, feel free to leave a comment. You can also tweet or message me at W3, the number three, W3 Consulting on Twitter and all the other socials. And you can join me here every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern unless we tell you that it's another time because of technical difficulties or because of client emergencies or otherwise. Um, thanks so much for spending this Web and Beyond Live with me. I'm Ray Sidney Smith on behalf of W3 Consulting and W3C Web Services. Have a great week ahead, marketing and managing your small business on the Web and Beyond. <laughs>